What's up, Claim of Stories fam? It's Bima here. Uh, wow, it's it's been an incredible year, and we can't thank you all enough for tuning in every Tuesday. We were recently featured in Forbes for our work over the past year, and that just wouldn't be possible without every one of you here listening. So thank you so much from, from us and the, and the rest of the Claimer team. As we start to wrap up the season, we're, we're really excited for you to hear um, from a few of the incredible small business owners we had the privilege to interview at ComplexCon in Long Beach back in November. It was part of a larger initiative where we partnered with Vista, formerly Vistaprint, to amplify and empower small business owners through a dinner at Chifa and popping up with two LA brands, Little Africa and Lazy Cake, in our booth at ComplexCon. It was an incredible weekend, and there will be more to come from this partnership in 2022. Now, as we head into the new year, I would love for you all to take time to visualize what you want and start drafting up that plan for how you'll go about claiming it. We can't wait to connect with you all in 2022. Happy holidays. One thing I always, I like to think about is like, I'm not a professional. (laughs) I'm an enthusiast, an extreme enthusiast. I'm an amateur, Mm. right? What I realized is I could be more relatable than a professional. Professional is 1%. We cannot all be like Michael Jordan. We cannot be like Kobe. We cannot be like LeBron. No. But we can go to the park and go shoot the hoop every... And still have that feeling. And still have that feeling. Yeah. And still feel good. Yeah. And somebody who looks at us doing that and realizes that the, the, the bar of entry is lower, okay, that's the way I want people to look at what I'm doing. This is Claim of Stories, a show about leading and emerging BIPOC creatives and how they were able to claim their dream careers. Tell me where you want to go, where you want to be. I can help you claim a seat, get you on your feet. Tell me where you want to go, where you want to be. I can help you claim a seat, yeah. Tell me where you want to go, where you want to be. I can help you claim a seat, get you on your feet. Tell me where you want to go, where you want to be. I can help you claim a seat. I'm Bima, and on today's show, recorded live at ComplexCon in Long Beach, California, we speak with Woody White, founder of Oyster Holdings, a brand for everyday enthusiasts based in Los Angeles, California. Woody cut his teeth as a promoter, throwing parties and doing his fair share of street team activations. He then moved on to LRG, a clothing brand popularized by artists like Kanye West. There, Woody worked in brand marketing and relished in the process of getting ideas out because he really believed in them so passionately that he'd show up to sales meetings sharing his frustrations about why some pieces of clothing were being left on the cutting room floor. Eventually, he transitioned from LRG to join Don C at Just Don until 2015. Around this time, he had thoughts of his own based on what he felt was missing in the market. Woody had started to grow exhausted by the inauthenticity in streetwear and wanted to do something that truly spoke to his experience. Thus, oyster holdings came from the thought of creating comfort for travel. In our conversation ahead, Woody shares a story about getting his start as a party promoter. I came up throwing parties Mm -hmm. and doing street team stuff for labels and clubs, you know, and then that transitioned into doing the same thing for corporate companies. And then that moved me to Los Angeles. So 
I started on the in the streets, <laughs> putting up poster boards and <laughs> standing outside clubs and yeah. that type of stuff. And the progression just took me up the ladder. Mm. So I don't. There's no like one moment. Yeah, it's, it's just, just a series of life life experiences. And being in it at a time where you could identify with what's going on in this space and realize you could possibly do this for the rest of your life. Hmm. What space at the time was that? Like street team stuff, music. Music. You know, like all that stuff started with labels. Okay. You know, we're working records. We're seeing like we're going to record stores. We're doing stuff at clubs. Yeah. To artists are coming in town. We're taking them around to the DJs. We're mm -hmm. taking them to the radio stations. Showing them what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Got so it. like corporate companies saying we need street teams <laughs> oh we want to get closer to this urban audience so let's do a dj competition right. in 16 markets let's and who do they go to hire everybody from the record music mm -hmm. from the record business because they already have the contacts because this is the world that they see exploding yeah. and this is where they see the dollars coming from right so they just tap us hmm. so those of us that were fortunate enough to get called upon to do something that went from like man the record label saying we're gonna pay you 1200 a month to do this to like oh we're gonna put you on a ten thousand dollar a month retainer to do hmm. this hmm. you know because there was no pay scale for the big companies hmm. to reference back to say like oh you're only making this much oh let's pay him peanuts pay a little bit yeah they were ready to cut the check hmm. because well i'll say this there was always somebody they grabbed what do you right? mean? Like, so they'll go to, let's say, the head of Def Jam street team. Mm -hmm. HBO will tap him. Wow. Hey, we need you to consult for us for our project. He gets the account. Then he trickles it down to all his street team people. Gotcha. That he's paying pennies. Now he's uh, able to pay them a little bit more because he got a real got budget. A real budget, yeah. And so to me, that was the progression of people who were doing things hmm. literally on a street level, club level to making it to the boardroom and the planning process, mm. you know, mm. and like being able to do that same thing, same thing. with like my peers, huh. you know, oh, I got a bigger account now. Let's go. We cook. doing corporate stuff, you know, and that yeah. raises it, raises it, raises it. Okay. And then you end up in a bigger space. Right. Right. How did you, so how did you and, cause you ended up, you know, before you were in LA, you were, I think you were working on just Don with Don C and a couple other projects as well. How do you end up getting mixed into the, into that circle? Was that well, just that like was, organic? I mean, me and Don been friends since like my early twenties. Wow. Uh, and my stint with just Don was after my LRG. Okay. Movement. Okay. Um, I came to LA in two thousand and four. Yeah. For LRG. Wow. To two thousand and twelve. Okay. And then two thousand and twelve. I think Don started 2011. Mm -hmm. and we started working 2012. Okay. Um, I got clipped at LRG, mm. and once that happened, I'm like, "All right, he's bubbling his thing." We had already been talking, and I want to say like about a year before then. One day he said, "Like we got to do something together." One day, mm. like we got to just like work on work something. on something. You know, we've been friends forever, having great yeah. conversations. Right. You know, he's the one who I worked on with, rather, when we put Kanye in his first ad. LRG. Yeah, yeah. he was. He had just come on to manage Ye. Right. And so 
we were like he had a mission with yay mm -hmm. i had a mission with lr mm -hmm. but i was still living in Sh I, yeah i was still living in chicago, chicago at the time we did that but we had a common goal yeah so we had always done different things together i worked on the go-getters street team project wow which was yay's first group mm -hmm. with uh and him and Monop were managing that thing. So like, <laughs> there was always chemistry and a relationship right. happening, right? Yeah. Um, and then when the LRG thing was over, I came in to help him run his business and develop wholesale. Wow. And to work on, you know, numerous projects and really like, I think take my experience that I learned there, there and actually apply, apply it over here. So he gave me, you know, I think opportunity that I would have probably never received somewhere else. Oh, really? I was doing branding and marketing and all of a sudden I was doing sales mm -hmm. and brand initiative. Yeah. And it's me and him. And so like, <laughs> so you're part of every single decision, you know, not every, not every but you got decision, like more transparency but, and opportunity to learn and things to bring. Right. Right. That right, could right. Then turn into something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it was like no red tape in the middle. Yeah just like hey man there's this what do you think about this you know mm -hmm. what do you think about this yo right. i got this idea mm -hmm. and he was always trusting of those ideas and those things that i believed in yeah because i think when i work for somebody man i'm about that person and mm. what it is that they're doing mm. you have a passion for what they're doing what man, they're trying I, to solve what I they're trying to create love the bottom to the top I love, love like, the building. Like, man, we here, it's just us. We haven't, we've made, like, and here's the thing. He was already making an impact. Mm -hmm. But it's like, okay. There's more. It's, it's more to this, you know? And so we did that up until 2015, maybe, mm -hmm. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And then it was off to Oyster for Oyster. me. What, so what was the inspiration behind Oyster? Had that been something that, you know, for years, just kind of sitting in your subconscious. So, like, you started getting inspired, you know, after working on different, you know, partnerships and projects. Like, what for you? And, like, and I'd love to know kind of how, like, the hobby comes into that as well. Well, I'll tell you, the Oyster thing, when I was at LRG, I was the only marketing person that would go to sales meetings. Hmm. And I would do that because I would fight for the items they were going to drop. Yeah. I was big with the design team. Yeah. And I would see things and be like, yo, this is what we need. Hmm. And I would come back after a sales meeting or sorry, this is before I went to the sales meeting. And I'd be like, man, what's up with this item? And they'd be like, oh, it got dropped in the sales meeting. Yeah, I hate that. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, these sales motherfuckers don't know what they, don't they know. doing. They don't know. All they worried about is like what their accounts. We need a bigger logo. We right. need a bigger this. We need the thing you gave us before. I said, I'm dealing with artists. Hmm. I'm dealing with a different fraction. We don't want the same thing. We want something we need different. To, we need to keep growing this space. Mm -hmm. So I remember one day I got the invite. Like, you can come to the sales meeting. <laughs> and I was like, man, when I get to the sales meeting, I'm going to turn up <laughs> and let them know, man, what are we going to drop this for? Like, this is the best this thing is the in the best line. Thing. Yeah. Now, what I learned is there's other things involved, like pricing, our pricing stuff. That's different. Right. But the pricing meeting would happen before the sales meeting. Mm -hmm. So when it got to the sales meeting, it had its best chance. Right. You bought, right. And to make it into the line. And I remember 
the design group had a, a collection once and it was like a French Terry blazer. Hmm. And it was like this elevated sportswear that was like by casual suiting. The sweatpants had like a button fly <laughs> to them. Like it was yeah, really nice. It was nice. And I remember after that, some things from that collection were dropped. I went to one of the owners to be like, yo, like what's going on here? Mm -hmm. This is crazy. This is like some of the nicest stuff. And I went to the VP and had an idea that basically became the oyster idea later huh. of like, man, we need to build out this space of this look. Hmm. And the owner was like, yo, go talk to them. Like, I'm a, I'm a back here. And I remember the design director, uh, who is now my partner in Oyster, huh. was all for it. Yeah. Like, Jonas, one of the, the creative director and co-owner, was all for it. Wow. But the VP of sales and the head of sales. Not for it. Not for it. Like, we ended really? up meeting later in the owner's office, and they were like, oh this isn't really gonna do like you know just all this doubt all yeah. this doubt like i was saying before we jumped in the van doubt from people that don't know what the f is going they don't on. know they don't know they you have no context here. yeah you could never start a brand hmm. you could just come in at this point that's all and you manage a brand you can't even grow all you're you doing never is managing. Be talking about what we need to be doing you should never even be allowed in the room right but a lot of companies make this mistake of letting the wrong person in the room and so they deaded it hmm. years later. And I mean, I was acquiring 100,000 miles traveling every year flights. Wow, 100,000 miles. I was moving around. I, I was everywhere. And I remember developing this train of thought of like, we could design hmm. comfort for travel. Huh. That was the first. And notion. when you think design, you're thinking like, you're thinking like apparel. I'm talking like, the French Terry Blazer. Yeah, okay. I'm talking about a tuxedo sweatpant. Okay. You know, all things I made with Oyster. Yeah. Like a sweatsuit. Yes. Like a real, real suiting <laughs> look that's made out of French Terry. Right. But it's a suit. Yeah. And so uh, that was the foundation of the idea. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I focused on. We yeah. launched Oyster in 2014. Okay. Was like sportswear for travel. Hmm. This is my category. Yeah. See, people like, if you look at Nike, it's like, in the beginning, who are we? Running. Yeah. Very, right? very, very, like, rooted in running. Very focused. Mm -hmm. Adidas. Probably the same thing. Like, mm -hmm. some sort some of category. sport. Yeah. Category. Soccer. Football. Right, sorry. Soccer, maybe, <laughs> right? Uh, Patagonia. Outdoors. Right. Hiking. Climbing. Absolutely. Right? Yep. Not this broad stroke of like ideas and yeah. references is influence <laughs> and all this like just grabbing ideas out of nowhere <laughs> it was focused it was very focused and so from being at brands and developing things i'm like i need to be focused hmm. i need to have purpose hmm. i don't need to be just you don't want to just put stuff out you want to have something that had a point of view had meaning had a reason this is why exist. we're here okay this is what's going to keep me here. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. not like make believe design. <laughs> like, and that to me is like, so like, man, soccer jerseys are in. 
Let's do some but, soccer uh, inspired fan, jerseys. Fan, have, uh, do you play soccer? No. No. But oh, you in. just look at pictures and and <laughs> and then and then borrow this whole thing. <laughs> I don't believe in fraudulent design. Or even just being a poser. I grew up in the 80s of skating. Where you actually did it. People came to the park with like full pads and this and that and like didn't know a thing or bought it. And it's like, we would be like, yo, he's a poser. No, yeah. That's the same culture I grew up in. This, and You so, know, it was unusual to meet someone that was widely accepted into something that you felt authentic about that they actually didn't do. This is a, we're in a whole new era. I try to live by the same mentality now. Mm -hmm. I don't want to pretend. Mm. You're not going to see me make a pair of basketball shorts. <laughs> I don't play basketball. Don't hoop. I'm not going to make a basketball jersey. Mm. I don't play basketball. You know what I mean? Right. Now, there's certain items like a polo. Yeah. I don't need to ride a horse to make a polo. No. This is an American staple item. And I can wear that doing multiple things. Right. Yeah. But there's certain things. I don't want to I don't want to pretend. Mm -hmm. And I also don't want to be What's the word I'm looking for? Scrambling for ideas every collection. Hmm. Because you feel like you're trying to keep up with a thing. Because I really have no focus. Mm. Hmm. But if I'm designing and building for a specific category, yeah, I always look at that category, hmm. and I then your ideas are more for that. Yeah, you know, like the pan I have on right now. Mm -hmm. It's our first trail pan. Oh, dope! It's only built for, never inspired by. Oh. Because I built this for the trails. Mm -hmm. So it's wear tested. Mm -hmm. You can wear it on the trail. On the trail. Now, if you decide to wear it doing something else, <laughs> cool. That's your choice. But my language will never dictate that other that part way. of what it is. I it love will that. always be about the trail. The trail. Because this is a trail pan. Where does that, like, what do you think is so detrimental about the, uh, the opposite side of pretending? Or you might not even think there is, but I'm just curious. I think it, like, leaves for a short lifespan. Hmm. Because it just is, it's sort of like, you know, I was never one to, every year I think Pantone releases the colors. Yeah. Like the, the key colors. Color of the year or whatever. I right? don't look at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are you What are you talking about? This is in. Who the fuck dictated this? <laughs> Who looked around and said like, oh, it's beige this, this season. Color. Right. Everybody, uh, the new color is beige. <laughs> Who did that? I don't, I can, it's, th these types of things just don't make any don't sense make any to sense. me. They do. It's that top-down mentality. If you like purple, purple, you make purple. Yeah. If you feel like purple's burnt out and it's too much purple, don't make purple. Don't make purple. <laughs> so, these ideas that really don't mean anything, like, and I, and I, you could think to yourself, like, this is cool. I want to make a rugby this season. I want to make it like a workman coat. I don't expect you to be, like, making, like, a chore jacket and have to go cut a tree down. Right. I'm not right. I'm saying not saying that. that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's a lot of pretend. Mm. It's a lot of, like, mm. make-believe fantasy land. Mm. And, like, it just, 
I think it keeps the game mm. in a point where, like, instead of, like, realizing you have to hone your craft and develop it, mm. it makes people think we could just all do this. Anyone could just do this, right? They don't perceive it to actually be a skill set that was cultivated and developed down. over years. Right? It's too watered down. Yeah. You know? And I can like, understand that. Like, what's that website? Pinterest? Um, Pinterest. Pinterest. Mm -hmm. What is that about? Mood boards, I guess. <laughs> we got a website to just show you a bunch of, like, vibes <laughs> that you could borrow from. Man, I saw that. Apply the mood board that's on the internet forever. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. I don't. You don't operate that way. I and hey man, fine if you do. Yeah. It's all good. It's just not this is my POV on it. I feel you on that. You know? Yeah. It's like so when I created Oyster, I always thought sportswear for travel. Why? Because mm. traveling is a sport. Ah. This is it. Tell me about that. Cause I was I was reading about that. Like that was and I like that. I think the, the, the quote resonates with me and probably for you because of all the travel that you've done. But how would you articulate that? Why is traveling a sport in your words? You, you know what I used to, th what I thought about with this, and it was something like I was flushing out the idea of like, I study things. Mm. So when I look at, let's say like Nike, mm. they got just do it. Yes. It is just as powerful as Nike. As Nike. So I need oyster, and then I need like something just as powerful that says it without saying it. Mm -hmm. Traveling is a sport. Oh, that's oyster. Tell me you it's know, oyster without saying oyster. Without saying <laughs> it. The call to action. Mm -hmm. The rush of excitement. Yeah. A lot of the traveling that I did early in my career, there was no Instagram. There was no, there was like Facebook and stuff. Mm -hmm. not, maybe not Facebook, but like uh, MySpace or whatever. Right. You would like come back from a trip from like Doha, <laughs> India, <laughs> and like, what were you showing people? You would just be able to talk about. You'd be able to talk about it, right? And like, maybe you had a digital picture frame that you could load up and like, <laughs> hey, look or you at this. came back with the you know the printed joints, <laughs> the printed, or like on my BlackBerry, I'd have a bunch of low res photos, but there was no way to like describe the rush. Not even possible. Yeah. You know, and I mean the rush, like, of, like, overweight baggage, running to the airport late, but also hitting the ground hmm. and being in a city for, like, 48 hours or a country in a short period of time mm -hmm. trying to take in everything onto the next one. And then you onto the next thing. Onto the next one. Mm. Onto the next one. So hmm. it was really, like, a, a feeling. Yeah. But also something, like, all this travelers, it was becoming more and more popular. Mm -hmm. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, what is this? Mm. You know, mm -hmm. like, and at some point, like growing up in the 80s, there's probably people who would say, like, skateboarding wasn't a sport. Hmm. There was, you know, there's people always that, this moment. There's always, yeah. Where people Not are involved. like, yeah. what is, is this? Right. Like, it's a spinoff of surfing or whatever. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. And then it becomes a moment where it enters the Olympics. And then now it's validated, but it's like, but we've and been doing this. It's been, been, been right. validated for a long time. Exactly. Right? But there had to be this moment hmm. where people looked at it like it wasn't a sport. Mm -hmm. And traveling, 
people looked at as like a leisure thing. Mm-hmm. 95% of my travel has been for work. For work. Not for leisure. Hmm. Most of my trips around the world have been for, for work. work. Hmm. So it was a way for me to like, yeah, I'm global brand manager of this brand. So I'm over here, 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 and here. But what I'm doing is a sport. Hmm. Everything around it. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like what Ghostface said. Every day is like a video shoot. <laughs> that resonates. Resonates. With me. You know, man, we getting up. We going to the airport. I'm looking fresh. Right. You know, we going place to place. I'm on tour, I'm on but tour. I'm not an artist. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I just got this this love for exploring. I look at these miles I'm collecting. Look at all this. Like this is all mm. the mentality of a traveler. Mm. Right, somebody who moves around. Yeah, and so that was the category. Huh. This still my category. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. Like uh, I was talking to a couple of people about this, and I said, you know, we've been at Oyster for quite some time. Right, right. Yeah, you've and been. This ain't been, overnight. You've been cooking for quite a bit. We've been taking a non-traditional route. Mm. You know, my first couple of times showing in Paris mm-hmm. at a showroom. You know, I was told by my agency at the time. Man, you should go hang out with your boys and stuff at the shows. Hmm. I was like, what? <laughs> I'm sitting in the showroom I'm here. waiting on appointments to go. Right. Yeah, I want to talk like, to people. I want to, like, see this thing grow. Right. But what they were saying to me was just encouraging me to play, get in my position. Hmm. Get on the court. Get in the game. Mm. Your homies is doing it. Be next to them. Ah, uh, okay. Like, like, get some of that juice. Get some of that, okay. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's not me. Huh. You like I don't do that. I don't. <laughs> I don't go do things that are not authentic to what I mm. what I'm about. We here to do a showroom. I'm at the showroom. Showroom. I'm not you here know? to do anything. I see my homies when we go eat afterwards. Right. And you know my friends were like, "Where were you today?" Because they wanted me there as friends. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah. oh, I had to be in my showroom. We're setting this up. Yeah. And this whole grind, you know. Lost my sales agency, lost my PR company that was behind me. Mm-hmm. You know, my deal with Adidas ended. Mm-hmm. But me starting these new things, Tennis Club, Expedition, Expedition, we're now having more success than when I had all the things lined up. When we return in just a moment, Woody shares how a world post his Adidas deal actually looks much brighter. For this week's Community Stories feature, presented by 99designs by Vistaprint, let's hear from Lennon Macarenas, owner of Danza, a creative brand based in Los Angeles, California. Passionate about bridging the gaps and discovery, Leonard shares a story about creating a special graphic and inspiring other entrepreneurs. My name is Leonard, and I was falsely accused of a crime I didn't do. It's all based on jealousy. I lost everything. My girl, my job, my life all taken by my best friend and others close to me. I was sent to an island prison where I spent years on years contemplating that day. All the nightmares, what went wrong, everything was gone. All I could think about was revenge and getting back at everyone who betrayed me. It's crazy to think that you could be on top of the world, blink, and it's all gone. While I was in prison, I became friends with another inmate an old man that everyone called Priest. 
He taught me how to read and write. Shoot, he even taught me how to fight with a sword and how to protect myself. We grew very close while I was there. A lot of stories. As time passed, he got weaker and eventually, God rest his soul, he had told me about a buried treasure that if one day, if I ever escaped and found it, that would use the riches for good. Well, I escaped, got out of that island prison and found the treasure. I could have easily lived a whole new life and riches beyond my imagination, but instead gave that all up. I had to do what was right. I got my revenge, got my girl back, and found out I have a son. Pretty wild. I'm basically in the business of ships, bridging those gaps from one place to another and dealing with basically what's in between it. To break it down, for example, a ship is used to carry a specific weight of cargo, supplies, the oil, the crew, stuff for the crew, it's essentials. You combine all that, it's all dead weight. There are different parts within that, and it's called light ship weight. So the sum of the dead weight and light ship weight is called displacement. That is the weight that must be equaled by the weight of displaced water if the ship is to float. Of course, the volume of water displaced by a ship has to do with the size of the ship. But in turn, the weight of water that is to be matched by this displacement is also a function of the ship's size. The early stages of ship design is key, but also struggle to predict the size of the ship that sums all the weights. You must take into account experience-based formulas that provide approximate values for making such predictions. Subsequent refinements usually produce accurate predictions of the ship's draft. That is the depth of water in which the ship will float. It's kind of a lot, but that's pretty much my business. Started in 2019. Started while I was working at a friend spot. A lot of things happened there. A lot of interactions, a lot of combos, definitely a lot of insight from random people. I started it based on realization and honestly just for fun. Pretty much years and years of somewhat being in this so-called industry I've enjoyed being part of it and also watching from afar. I figure I'd do something pretty much from my perspective and not let anyone else dictate what I do. For me, it's not real about the customer. They like it, cool. They don't, don't really care. Honestly, for me, come to think of it, it is a lot of work and definitely stressful at times, but at the same time, it's fun. And if it inspires at least one person, then why not? Literally, Incubating, incubating, but at a very, very slow process. Kind of like a chicken sitting on an egg. Actually, a human sitting on an egg. You want to make sure you got the best setup so that those birds that hatch have the best chance at life. So let's say humans have a normal body temperature of 98 degrees Fahrenheit, while chicken's body temperature is at 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Chickens also have that brood patch on their underside while nesting that helps them transfer body to their young. An egg should ideally be kept at 100 degrees Fahrenheit for normal incubation, which is hard to do by a human. It usually takes a chicken 21 days to hatch an egg, so it'll probably take a human three to four weeks tops. One of the biggest challenges to not squash the eggs while also maintaining a proper temperature. So this is pretty much where my business is at. I'm looking forward to discovery. Without discovery, what's the point? You absolutely need it. It's pretty much gives me that no guts, no glory attitude. Without discovery, you don't grow. 
kind of like chewing gum. People back then never decided to chew on tree stuff. I mean, never experienced chewing gum. Imagine a life without chewing gum. Would we even notice? Imagine life without discovery. Pretty boring and bland, I'd say. I'd rather learn more and grow. Discovery is pretty much the only thing I'm looking forward to, either it's good or bad. The process of using 99designs has been actually really great. Definitely surprised by the process. Tons of submissions from artists around the world. Did not expect that at all. Met a wonderful lady from Russia that was extremely patient and keen to all my edits. Very particular with graphics and constant tweaking and changes and felt that that was not an issue at all with any of the participants on 99designs. Everyone was glad to make all the changes. One thing that was pretty cool is that everyone was extremely friendly, which I feel like most people get annoyed with. All in all, it was great and highly recommend to those stuck on figure out designs for their brands, companies, or struggling with direction. 10 out of 10 would use again. I want to make a, a 10 foot high tree made from scratch. I've been collecting these scraps of clothing and in my head, I see it all transforming together into this life-size tree. Nothing, you know, crazy spectacular, if anything, quite peculiar. I use this tree for events, bring it to places I go, and literally just lay next to it. I'll either fall asleep, ponder, stare, mainly just fall asleep. Just doing this, just maybe show people that, you know, something so simple is fun and open the doors for more adventures. That was Leonard Macarenas, a creative and passionate entrepreneur based in Los Angeles, California. Learn more about 99 Days of Design, a 99 Designs by Vistaprint initiative at 99designs.com slash 99 Days of Design. It's Bima. Welcome back to Claim of Stories. So it's pre-pandemic and Woody starts to foster a community of everyday enthusiasts. Here's an interesting thing. Tennis Club started before the pandemic. Hmm. That have been going. That have been going. But it's the same natural progression. My guy, shout out Joe Robertson, gave me, hooked me up with the Adidas tennis people. Mm-hmm. They got me tickets to Indian Wells, which is oh, a professional wow. tennis tournament yeah. that happens once a year. Mm-hmm. We went there. I went with a buddy of mine, Rio, from Chicago, okay. my boy Bradley, and my girl. Yeah. And I remember at some point, over actually over the last couple of years, Rio and I had played, but sporadically. Yeah. Like, hey, man, you want to hit today? And he's way better than me. Like, I'm not <laughs> He's doing me a favor. And... We would hang out, hit, and there became a moment where I think I was sitting in there and I was like, hey, like, uh, we need to get together and do this more often. Mm. We need to play like Be once more a intentional, week. yeah. Now, at the same time, this is back to the pretending that I was telling <laughs> you. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a very truthful person. Yeah. I already had Oyster Tennis Club t-shirts. Right. Mm-hmm. All the T-shirts in 2018, we dropped a graphic collection. Mm-hmm. 
and I threw in Oyster Tennis Club mm. because in 2012, when I was flushing out ideas for right. Oyster, Oyster, I had Oyster Tennis Club, Oyster Cycling, <laughs> I had Chess Club. I don't play chess, by the way. <laughs> uh, I had a bunch of other things that I just thought was like a cool vibe. Right. But I do cycle mm-hmm. and I love tennis. I've always been into tennis. Yeah. Um, but I had this tennis club shirt. And when we went to Indian Wells, I remember telling Rio and my other buddy Bradley, hey, here goes some tennis club shirts. And this lady, because we were like the only like four black people in a group at this tournament, yeah. <laughs> like looked over and was like, hey, what's Oyster Tennis Club? Hmm. Asked my friend Rio. Mm-hmm. Rio was like, oh, it's his thing. And I was forced to answer this question. You had to answer the question. And I was like a little bit stumped. Hmm. I was like, oh, I have a brand. It's called Oyster, and I like tennis and blah, blah, blah. And it's like a couple of us that just get together to, like, experience tennis. Yeah. Which was a little bit of a fluff hmm. because that was the first time we came together to experience it. Right. Right? But I was a fan. We were there. Yeah. And so <laughs> she didn't dismiss it. She was like, I love the logo. I love the T-shirt. Like, where can I get it? Yeah. And she liked the flavor of us. Yeah. But no, you we felt, was different. Yeah. But I felt like a little bit like, womp, womp, womp. Like, you know, yeah. like, like, you pulled my card. <laughs> and from that moment after that, that's mm. when I said, hey, we need to do this. It is for real. And we went out and, we, oh, thank you very much. We went out and we organized our first session. And it was a Wednesday. Man. And I wore my tennis club shirt. And I posted Oyster Tennis Club. And I want to say it was he, Rio, myself, and my partner, Millhouse. And Millhouse, like, was going to go home, but mm-hmm. he came through to take a couple photos real quick. <laughs> he doesn't play tennis, but he was like, yeah, I'll go. I'll go. Posted those photos. And that's when hmm. other people who I talked about tennis with were like, man, you should have hit me up. Why you hit me? <laughs> hit me next time. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, hey, we'll be out here next week. I'm going to hit you. I love that. See, me, the only, I'm a very persistent person. Yeah. The worst thing you can say to me is no. Hmm. So, like, if you leave that window open, I could become a bugaboo. (laughs) Until you're, if you're like, yo, yeah, I'm down, I'm down. I'm going to hit your ass every Wednesday. You You said you was down. Let's go. And then when you're like, hey, man. I ain't really mean it. <laughs> I, I don't think I can play. I'll let you know. Then I'll fall back. Okay. Okay. And so the few people that hit me, mm-hmm. then I followed up with them. Hey, we're playing this day. Yeah. Can't make it cool. We're still there. Hmm. And what people need to see is like you being dedicated and consistent. Mm. Once they see you're there. Every week, and committed. they realize they don't need to be there every week, but you're going to be there every week. So, like, the next time they're free, they'll show up. Right? I love that. And so we had the club going. We built it up. There was maybe, like, six people. We were playing, like, in Santa Monica, like, kind of far off, mm-hmm. mostly white court. And uh, people would drive all the way out there, wow. come hit, got yeah. up to maybe, like, eight people at the most. Mm-hmm. And then... Fast forward, we moved the court back into Los Angeles, somewhere that I used to drive by on the way to the office. Mm. And I'd always look over and be like, look at all these courts that are empty. Mm. Like, 
Let me just move it over here. I think it'll be easier for people to show uh, up. Right? Because then we had decided Sunday was going to be the day. The day. Um, this is before we went to twice a week. Everybody's coming on Sunday. Yeah. They're ready to play. And pandemic hit. Hmm. Everything closed. Yep. We start Oyster Expedition. Everybody's mm. in the house. Like, you know, that. Right, uh, right, right. And then the first thing to open were the tennis courts. <laughs> it's the most socially distant sport, sport that you could do. Absolutely. Besides, like, running. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We're 30 feet away from each other. Mm-hmm. It's only one ball. <laughs> like, it you sense. don't even got to touch this with your hand. Yeah. You can scoop it with your racket and your foot. Right. And they opened it. And I remember I was watching the news and it said, like, this Sunday, these are the things that are going to open. open. And it was like tennis, the beach, but you mm. couldn't, like, put your Didn't towel put, out. Yeah, yeah. But you could go. Hmm. Certain bike paths. Yeah. We had, like, 25 people show up. It was crazy. Dude, and I was wonderful. like, oh, And it was everybody who used to play. That was like, this is the perfect time to get back into it. Used to play in college. Used to do this. Used to do. Yeah. Still had a racket. Right. Had nothing to do. <laughs> I was like, whoa. And you it was provided back an to opportunity. a hobby. Yeah. You gave them something to tap back into that wasn't, I have to, there's not an expectation around it. I think most people were sitting at home. Like literally hmm. sitting at home. Yeah. Maybe their job transitioned to work from home. Yeah. Couldn't go to a restaurant. Couldn't see anybody. Couldn't see anybody. You know, now before that, I was kind of doing these barbecues in the park because the park was open. Mm-hmm. So I'd have a couple people come out. Yeah. I'd cook, yeah, you know, hang out, like bring the football out, soccer ball, you know, things that were fun. Yeah. Because I'm like, when you're a child, mm. it's everything is free for a good time like a kid has no reference of money when you're four or five years old i don't know how i don't know how things get happen <laughs> as far as i know it's just there it's just there you're at the park you can be entertained right with the littlest amount of effort and i'm an only child so i have same mastered entertaining myself oh yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> like i'm a master at that and so that kicked off just being outside and you know the great thing with now mm-hmm. is if you could show somebody what you're doing and then you could gauge interest interest yeah i'm at the park barbecuing with this, this. Yeah. man i want to come i pull up that's it yeah you yeah. know what i mean that's it that's it so the tennis thing was already happening but it exploded right when it opened again yeah you again i think you had tapped into a subconscious thing that you know, a lot of, again, we're a lot, you know, pandemic. They're telling us we can't go hang out inside together. You know, a lot of us have been disconnected from that childlike activity of play and hobby. And here you come with not even the intention of, like, thinking about it that way. You're thinking about, like, let's just come kick it. That's it. That's come it. Explore. Um, as you think about, like, the path you've been on, right, and, like, you know, we talked you know a little earlier in the conversation. You were like, yeah, this not wasn't some orchestrated thing. You know, I wasn't like trying to get experiences to, to be this thing. When you think of some of these young people that are like, yo, I'm like, I kind of I kind of resonate with some of the stuff what he's saying. And I want to kind of explore maybe some of this stuff. Like, 
what advice would you give them as they try to navigate this crazy space we're in? What space specifically? I would say space specifically around entrepreneurship and creativity. If they want to cultivate something, they may, and it may not even be entrepreneurship. They might want to be a nonprofit or they, you know, and we only have to put labels around it, but they might just want to create something. I mean, this is my, like, I've been fortunate enough to do interviews like with yourself and, and footwear news and these other things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one thing I always, I like to think about is like, I'm not a professional. <laughs> I'm an enthusiast. I love this. An extreme enthusiast. I'm an amateur, mm. right? What I realized is I could be more relatable than a professional. Mm. Professional is 1%. We cannot all be like Michael Jordan. We cannot <laughs> be like Kobe. We cannot be like LeBron. No. But we can go to the park and go shoot the hoop every... And still have that feeling. And still have that feeling. Yeah. And still feel good. Yeah. And somebody who looks at us doing that and realizes that the, the, the bar of entry is lower... Mm. That's the way I want people to look at what I'm doing. Yeah. It's like, if you asked me before the <laughs> pandemic, hiking was no exercise. <laughs> I, was, I was not into this. He's like, that's not my life. That's not my thing. I play tennis. I go to the gym. I swim. Mm -hmm. I ride my bike. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, active, I'm active, but I don't do that. that. Yeah. And through some of, like, my current partnerships with like Woolrich, the stuff I've yeah. been doing with like on running. I was trying to understand how I became attractive to these companies. Mm. And I realized somebody actually told me this as well. You're more relatable than a professional. Hmm. You're just a regular person hmm. enjoying it and hmm. an enthusiast. So I'm like, that's where I'm like, oh, I'm an extreme enthusiast. Yeah. Because, yeah, I got to hike every two weeks. Oh, yeah, I'll go out in between the hikes to find the next trail. Yes, right. I got tennis twice a week. <laughs> Man, I'm 45. I'm not going pro and <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I got my CBD oil waiting for me when I get when home I get for back. the rub down. Yeah. <laughs> I go to my Thai massage twice a week. <laughs> I'm not. See, I'm not out here trying to go pro. There's no pro anything about me. Yeah. I think I'm a professional talker. That's what I like to do, talk. <laughs> That's what I enjoy. Enjoy, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's back to the hobby thing. Mm. It's like sometimes when the approach is not so like, man, I need to make it from this thing that I'm doing. It just falls in your lap. You get a call, you know. I like I said, like Pelican is one of my new partners. For people that don't know, it's a like a it's a case company. They yeah. make some of the best cases for rugged, waterproof, rugged right. equipment, this yep. and that. On my Land Rover, they saw my Land Rover. And uh, a guy by the name of John hit me up. He works with them and he works with Toyo Tires. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yo, we want to outfit your rig with like Toyo Tires and Pelican. I love that. They didn't do this because I'm doing professional off-roading contests and all this <laughs> shit. Yeah. It's like, yo, this is cool. We like and it. we see you mm -hmm. and you're different, mm -hmm. you know? And what I realized is it's not a lot of us, meaning black people for those who are just listening, doing outdoor anything, mm -mm. right? And so 
that is something that I can appreciate being a voice in. Yeah. Is like, I'm a city slicker. <laughs> right? Yeah. But I'm outdoors. But I still like to get fresh. I don't want to roll around dirty. Right. I'm not trying I, to. Yeah. I'm trying to still get fresh on the trail. I still like to be fresh on the trail. I still <laughs> like to bring what I bring to whatever I'm doing. I love that. You know? Yeah. And like, I think there's something to being able to be yourself mm -hmm. but also explore new ground yeah. and feel comfortable doing, doing that, that knowing that there's not a lot of us doing it so i'll give you an example uh when I mean, you came on our hike there was probably 40 people there that day. oh yeah you know yeah we're trudging up the mountain it's music playing and shit. oh yeah it's it was a vibe this, <laughs> it's a whole vibe right <laughs> i didn't know that was some people didn't do oh word I didn't know that till I was on the phone with some of these companies and I did an interview with on running and they're like, so tell us about the hike. And like, I'm explaining this to them yeah. and they're like, Oh, we want to go. And I'm like, Oh, well, wow. Okay. Like this is coming from somebody who yeah. works for the company where this is what they do. Huh? But I realized that's not the standard of what's being done. That's me bringing my flavor to what, what I what do. you like, right? You just bringing yeah. what the things that you like to this new thing that you're I doing. I can hike with some earbuds in, mm -hmm. but but if I got ten people, man, I need everybody to hear. I want everybody new Ghostface. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I need I need I need everybody that. to be like, man. Oh I yeah, did. man. Oh yeah. yeah. And now, when we're on a trail, and I notice what I like to call the turtle pack. You know, moving at their own pace, but yeah. finishing, mm -hmm. but at their own pace, might be in the back. Right. I come back with the tunes and people are like, oh, this is helping me because yeah. now you feel like the energy. And you don't feel like you like just left behind. We don't leave anybody behind. All for this. one, one for all. I love this. We'll wait for you when we get to the top mm -hmm. because that's what it's about. Yeah. And so hopefully we're also instilling like. I don't need to know you forever to feel like you're on my team when we do this. Hmm. We're out here together. We came in the morning. We're going up together. We're going to celebrate being up there together. And then we're going to head down. And you can watch people break into their own conversations and yeah. meet people and, de pardon me, develop friendships. That's because that's be what it's about. It's about, I don't need all these like, work friends I, i'll tell you just something that like uh was really disappointing for me like in my career when i worked at lrg is like spending a lot of time with people mm -hmm. during the week mm -hmm. traveling with people mm -hmm. being on the road with people and then getting clipped and not hearing from anybody wow you know like yeah. you realize like Y'all never, y'all never cared. I, I, I thought we were like friends. Right. I thought, like I, like we spent all this time but, together. But you've been fired, so people want away from you. They want to separate mm -hmm. themselves. And maybe it's like it's not just me being in my feelings. It's like they also want to like not show alliance to something that was like right looked shunned upon while they were there. And you need to then redevelop your friendship with these people, hmm. like. And I remember, like, they did a clearing of house when I was there. Like, I wasn't the first one to go. It was other yeah. people. You saw it happening. And I would call these people when it happened because I'm like, I've known you. Yeah. Right? And I got a call from my assistant 
and it's like somebody who in the corporate world was beneath me mm -hmm. they called me i couldn't he was like i thought it would be my counterparts to call me but it wasn't it was this guy wow who who like dealt with me being on him and he was like man i appreciate the time and learned a lot from you and i was like wow he he understands what this is yeah and and by the way i'm very truthful when i say i was clipped Mm. I didn't leave. I didn't Nobody leave. leaves anywhere yeah. without another job lined up. Yeah, yeah. That ain't, I, hey, I mean, I mean, not us. I when, mean. <laughs> when, when somebody asks you, like, uh, "Hey, man, uh, yeah, man, I'm not there anymore. I left," and it's like, "What you doing now?" And they're like, "Oh, man, I'm just trying to figure, figure it out." They was fired. <laughs> they were fired. They did not leave on their own to not make money. Come on, like, man. do never believe that. Do never believe it. Never believe it. But I also feel like. It's okay to say it didn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's That's okay. Truthful. It's too many people who try to pretend and smoke screen. Man, I'm sorry. Uh, you were getting two hundred fifty thousand a month, and you just left. Like. That's not what happened. I I would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's unless, not on my own volition. <laughs> unless I had another job lined up. Yeah. Paying me more. <laughs> if not, I would ride this out, out for a minute for a minute <laughs> so i just want to clarify that yeah. that it's better sometimes in this game of facades and smoke screens to be really honest about your your wins and your losses yeah it's okay hmm. nobody's gonna judge you on that you know what i mean i'm i'm big on that stuff man. i'm big on like you know just be real, be real. man be real because somebody needs that Somebody yeah. need to hear. It's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, they didn't renew my contract. And that's okay. It's okay. You're going to have something else around the corner. And that's the thing that I learned. Publicist, sales agency, Adidas deal. I made it, if you asked most people. Mm -hmm. But I realized I made it because I had relationships. Mm-hmm. That's what I. That's how I made it. I was actually in a position that most people are not blessed with, because I spent so much time in the game. Mm -hmm. Because the sales agency that took me on, I co-signed when co G-Shock came to America and said, "Mess with this agency." Right. So they had been messing They've with been me. Been messing with you. That was my. Those were my guys. Right. The say the PR agency. They had a. We had a bunch of mutual friends that was like, "Woody shit is hot. Like yeah. you need to mess you need with to this." Pick them up. Yep. I had people at Adidas. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. But what if I had none of that? Would I have had these companies? Probably not. Mm. If they were to, like, pick me out of the blue, they would have been like, nah. Yeah. He only has two accounts. Mm. Like, who gets an Adidas deal with two accounts? <laughs> like, come on. You yeah. know? And so I like to look at these situations and be brutally honest on... Not everything is what it appears to be. You know what I mean? Nothing is usually like Nothing that. Nothing usually is. You know? And so the moments that you can, like, say what it is, it's better to say what it is. You're going to find some common ground amongst people who could be like, man, you know what? I got fired over there, too. <laughs> and we can just laugh about it. Right. Because, man... The sun is going to shine forever. Yeah. Tomorrow we got something else that we're going to be working on. All that shit is in the past. It's not going to look, it's not even going to be. It's not even going to be here, you know? It's I, not going to be here. 
That was Woody White, founder of Oyster Holdings, a brand for everyday enthusiasts based in Los Angeles, California. Find out more about Woody and get access to all of our episodes at Amazon Music. If you'd like to connect with us, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Claim Us Stories. Our show this week is produced by BJ Fergozo, original music, production, and scoring by Adrian Anaya, and vocals provided by Priscilla. And special thanks also to VDOT, Professor H, Jordan Dinwiddie, Nick Pop, Lily Lynn, Nicole Early, Becky Mathai, and Amin L. Falele. I'm Bima, and you've been listening to Claim Us Stories. Thank you.